Welcome to Funding the Dream, the number one podcast for the number one crowdfunding platform, Kickstarter. Now here's your host, Richard Bliss. Welcome to the show. My name is Richard Bliss. You're listening to another episode of Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. I want to thank my sponsors who have been out there supporting us on Patreon for such a good long time, particularly uh, Battle Hardened Games, who's been out there, and then one of my guests who was on recently, uh, actually he hasn't been on yet, I've just recorded with him recently, Devin Thorpe uh, from Your Mark on the World, who's also been a great Patreon sponsor. So I want to say thank you to them, and thank you to you for listening and supporting us and reaching out and communicating and sharing such great stories and supporting those guests who have been on the show. Uh, they have reached out to me and been very appreciative of the positive feedback all of you have provided. So thank you, I say to you, my listeners. Uh, we've got to know each other over the years, over the last six years that this show's been running. Speaking of the last six years, I, my guest is somebody I met about the time that right before the podcast got going. Uh, he has been on the show a couple of times. He has recently returned from China where, he was, uh, where his company is based, but my guest is Seth Hyatt with Mayday Games. Seth, thanks for joining me. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me on, Richard. You have been on a couple of times, and you have uh, had tremendous success on Kickstarter over the years. Tell us a little bit about Mayday Games, so that my listeners maybe who uh, haven't listened that long or aren't familiar with you. Uh, Mayday Games is, is uh, started out as more of a, an accessories company, where we were doing card sleeves and tokens. We did a lot of those um, the first couple of years, but then we got into board games as well, and the last mm, five to seven years, I guess, we've been putting out mostly family-friendly board games. I always like to say that games I can explain in two minutes and play in 20 and sell for 20 25 bucks. I, I think little, simple, casual games like that that have uh, kind of bridge family, friends, and even non-gamers, we really enjoy those kind of games. Um, so those are the kind of games we typically do. We have done some things outside of that. Uh, paradigm, but it's it's mostly those kind of games we've done. We've done about I don't know, 30 or so games now, and we... Uh, We've had 39 successful Kickstarters. None of them have done big money, so I don't know if we're really successful. It's more maybe more volume, uh, number of campaigns more than maybe dollar value. But we uh, we definitely have had a good experience, and we've been running Kickstarters for uh, since 2011, since we met, really. Yeah, since we met at Spiel in in Germany in Essen. You know, uh, you've had an impact a little bit on the gaming in my in my household. Uh, the other day, my my girlfriend picked me up at the airport to uh, and take me home, and we got to the stoplight, and normally we turn left, and she turned right, and I said, where are we going? And before she and I met, she had never played games, and uh, now she said, well, I've got to stop by the game store. I've got to pick up an, a, another sleeve of Mayday uh, sleeves for my Machikoro game because I, I was sleeving them while you were gone, and I'm only halfway through. And I was like, oh, wow, uh, things have certainly uh, changed. So, yes, Mayday Games, those sleeves have become extremely popular and continue to be very popular, don't they? Yeah, they're a, they're a staple of our uh, selection and, and our offering, and we definitely sell a ton of those. And we, we have them in like 30 sizes now, and they're, uh, they do continue to sell really well for us. And it's really nice because it kind of keeps the lights on when we're between Kickstarters or other projects. So we definitely are appreciative of those people who are – uh, sleeving their games. Yeah, and I've got all, I think, most of the expansions for Dominion, and they're all sleeved. And when somebody comes over who has their own copy and they sit down and play my copy, and they're, and they're like, did you sit and sleeve all these cards? Abs <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And it becomes enjoyable. So we're yeah. going to talk about, let's talk about Kickstarter. You, um, you and I have, uh, over the years, talked about some of your projects. You have had, as you mentioned, 40 projects on Kickstarter, 
And none of them have been, you know, we're not talking hundreds of thousands of dollars like some of these uh, projects, these bigger uh, games that are out there. But you've had some steady success and growth. And recently, the reason you're on the show is because recently you had an experience that uh, caught you by surprise, and I think caught a lot of us by surprise. Um, with all of the success that you've had, you submitted a game very similar, very standard to Kickstarter, and had a different experience. Why don't you explain to us a little bit about what happened there? Yeah, so we've done 39 prior projects. This is our 40th, and we thought, oh, this will be no big deal. We've done it before. What we were doing is licensing a game by Stefan Dora. Um, it was, it's been around in some forms for a couple of years, but we were doing a 3D version, releasing in English only, focusing on the U.S. market. And uh, we changed the box cover and the layout and some graphics and changed a couple of rules, added some bonus cards for Kickstarter, done quite a bit of work on it, similar to what we've done on probably at least a dozen of our prior projects where, yeah, the game does exist in Europe or some small shop somewhere, but we're bringing it to the masses and trying to get into uh, wider distribution in the U.S. So that was kind of our, our thought, and we thought it'd be fine and no big deal. And Kickstarter initially said, hey, explain why this game is different from uh, your prior game. And when, uh, when they said that, what, do you, what prior game would that have been? Well, that's what I thought. That, I was kind of cavalier about it. You know, we've never done this game before. This isn't, there's no prior game here. Um, and in doing a search on Google or places to try to find it for sale, there was no real, you know, there didn't come up, you know, cool stuff or uh, miniature mart. None of those guys have the, the, the traditional not, the traditional places that you would go to find your games. Yeah, yeah, and there's no one selling it in big quantities anywhere because it hasn't been released. Other than there was an English release in Hong Kong, it was multi-language and they did have English. So there's like a, from what I could see, there was a shop in. Germany, a shop in France, and then there was one guy selling it at like triple the retail price on Amazon because it's never come to the U.S. So I didn't think much about it. I just said, well, uh, no, this isn't, we don't, we've never done this prior. This isn't a big deal. Uh, we've done a lot of campaigns before. I was very cavalier about it and just sent them off a quick email saying, hey, reconsider this. This is no, no different than any of our other projects. And rather than maybe seeing my side of it, they said, you know, this is available. We've seen it out there. Um, we can see it's for sale in some spots, and it doesn't look that different to us. And you haven't highlighted those differences from the prior release, which we hadn't really highlighted them because to us it was a new release. And uh, so they just refused the uh, project altogether and said, no more uh, disputing about it. We're just not going to let you sell it. And I'm like, wow, that's that's crazy. We're done with this game. And I was really shocked. So I, I took the time to put together a blog post and just kind of mentioned, hey, this is what happened to us. If you get a... A refusal from Kickstarter, don't take it so cavalierly and so lightly and think that you know better than they do. Listen to what they say, regardless of what you may think of their feedback, and reply to it directly and take some time doing that. Because I think if I crafted a better email and listened to them better, I don't think we would have had the second refusal. Um, so that was really my fault. It was just uh, thinking my experience was more than it was, I guess. And so uh, I reached out to Luke with Kickstarter. He's the head of their board game uh uh, branch, I guess, and they right. uh, he, he was able, yeah, yeah, and so he was able to get us kind of unbanned from that project and said, "Hey, make some changes, repitch your idea, be a little more careful how you present it, and we'll see if we can t- get it through our team." And so we did that, and we're able to get it uh, through. So, but it, it was just a kind of a, a cautionary tale for everyone that no matter how many projects you've done, and no matter what you think you know about Kickstarter myself included, I needed to be humbled and to realize that I don't know what I thought I knew and that I need to listen to these guys because they are the gatekeepers. And it's not enough just to think, well, I know better. Even if it's, you can't just think it's some idiot on the other end. You've got to really listen to what they say, no matter who it is. So and I've so, known that in other situations, but I, I was reminded of that by Kickstarter. So it was good, <laughs> really good experience for me. And I thought, 
you know, there's going to be other people who are going to run into this, so they need to be careful too. So here's this information. Take it for what it's worth. So is it possible that they rejected it because when they looked at it, they're seeing a, a – you're basically taking the money from Kickstarter and using it to, for distribution into the U.S., right? Um, you talked about the changes, but from their perspective, is it possible they just saw – look, he's just taking it from somewhere else, and he's just taking the money to move it to somewhere else. And that's, they thought no. that maybe that's not the business that they're in? No, it wasn't so much that as, as much as it was this game has already been for sale somewhere. It doesn't look different enough from what's already out there in the market that it makes sense to try to put it on Kickstarter. Kickstarter should be for new products that have new ideas or at least a new version. And there have been other games that have come out and they've done you know a bigger box version of a game that already exists, put in the same game in a new, new bigger box, and that's fine with them. It's just uh, It wasn't so much about what we were doing with it as much as they were under the impression that the game was already out there and available to the market and that it wasn't really new. There, and the other version's quite different as far as the the look of it and things. Um, there weren't, you know, a lot of mechanical changes to the way the game plays, but definitely the presentation was changed up a lot, and we had that, that idea of bringing it to the U.S. market. You you wouldn't find it available for sale on BoardGameGeek or anywhere. It just wasn't very widely uh, known, and uh, it was done by Stefan Dora, so it's a pretty well-known uh, designer, too. Got it. And so it, do you think that... So I'm trying to figure out how, after 39 projects, suddenly you put one up, you follow the exact same formula, and all of a sudden, boom, it's rejected. And it wasn't just rejected. It was kind of – it felt like a little bit almost body slammed, like absolute, like no, this is already out there. And then when you were like appealed, it was like no, and not only no, but now that you've made this reconsider it, hell no. Yeah, I think more that's just the process they have. They let you appeal once, and if they still reject it, then they're done. They, they don't let you continue to argue with them. That's just the way their process is set up. But I, I think it was more, uh, yeah, I, I was surprised because it definitely fit that same criteria as at least a dozen of our other games that we've done. And it, it never, that this issue had never been brought up before with them. And is, a lot of them looked a lot more like the prior version than, than our version. So that brings up a possibility. Is it that over, is it possible that Kickstarter is changing a little bit and was, is starting to maybe, um, I hate to use the word crack down, but say, look, we need, we're looking for original content, not for an iteration of something that's already on the market. Is it possible that some of these projects in the past that you had done had built up a, a, uh, an idea that you were just simply, like you just said, hey, we're just going to take a product and we're going to bring it to market? Sorry, that's not what you said. That's what I said. Yeah. But is it possible that was the impression that they were getting that, look, we're dealing with uh, a company that's just kind of running these through? Yeah, I, I don't think that was the case in, in this situation. I, I don't have a large enough sample size to know what, what everybody's doing, but I know that other companies have said, hey, we've done the same thing, and there's been lots of people brought up Gloomhaven, which uh, is substantially the same game as before, if not exactly the same game. Um, there have been plenty of other people who've done that, and I, they didn't come down on us at all about that. I think what it really came down to was it was a uh, maybe a new customer service person and me being more cavalier than I should have been. I don't feel like there's any animosity there. Luke was certainly kind and didn't sure. bring up any of those issues. So I, I don't feel like that was the case. Good, good to know because sometimes you gotta you gotta wonder, right? You've been doing this for yeah. such a long time. You've been involved. Did something change? Because I know that there's been some concerns over the years, not recently, but concerns over the years for Kickstarter to make sure that their image is one that's dedicated to the creation of new content. Yeah. But their uh, their terms of service do very clearly say it's got to be a new thing, and there's there's things on there where they could very well crack down. 
I think the the upshot from the other publishers I've talked to about it is that you know they they do enforce this sometimes, but it's selectively enforced, depending a lot on who you get and who you talk to. And a lot of other companies have this auto approval where they've never been uh, denied a project, and so they just get approved for every single project. Right, um, which is what I, I found. Know that- so when I saw your post, just like you, I was like, wow. Something I was wondering if something changed. Was there? Was there? A, yeah. But but you said for, like, go ahead. Yeah, for us, we've I think maybe our fifth or sixth project, we had something where they refused it for some reason initially. I don't remember the details now. That's maybe five years ago. But I know that uh, since then, every one of our projects is manual approval. You have to submit it, wait a couple of days, and then they will approve or deny it after that. But uh, I know a lot of other people um, have said otherwise. Aries Games chimed in roberto from aries game said hey we get ours auto approved every time don't you and uh, other companies too have said you know we still get ours auto approved so i think it's just once you're on the uh, <laughs> the no flies no, on fly, the no fly zone then you're going to get your you're going to get your bags fully inspected every time you go through the airport and that's just life so and i don't mind i don't begrudge them that it's their they have the the power to do that and it's their service and you know i appreciate kickstarter and i'm not certainly not upset with them no. about it but what? i do i just mostly hope that some other publishers or people who are launching Kickstarters, especially those who are licensing products from somewhere else, trying to bring it to their market, that they'll be careful of that and, and know that that's a, that is something you got to consider and maybe look at that post. And it did get a lot of traction. I think we've had like 5,000 views on our website from it. I'm sure you have. Um, just for that blog, just because people are interested to know what happened. Well, I think they're interested to know what happened. One is that you've done so many. Uh, two, this, was, this seemed unusual. Uh, we do, and then the other one is that you've been in the industry a long time, and so uh, for good or bad, you do have a reputation out there of sometimes pushing the envelope, finding ways to make this successful, um, being creative in the ways that you use Kickstarter that maybe other people haven't thought of or sometimes don't even approve of. And so yeah. I, I, th- I think there's a, some genuine interest in what happened here. Yeah. Yep, definitely. There has been a lot of interest, and I, any any time I find something new that I I've learned, I want to share that with other people and at least give them that insight. So maybe it will help them because I, I know if anybody had had this experience before and I'd seen it, I would have been more wary too. So hopefully, it will help other people. That's the main goal. That well, we can and, talk about it. And it is nice that uh, Kickstarter has gotten so big and so much going on that they still have the community. I guess it's community managers. Uh, I think is what they're called. What we were talking about, Luke. And these are the individuals who are put over their particular category to kind of act as that liaison, right? So, so yeah. tell us about how, because I think I, you've worked with Luke in the past, and so how has that worked for you, being able to have that type of liaison, being able to communicate with Kickstarter in that capacity? Well, it's interesting because they don't have a, there's not like a contact us, like a live chat or a, a direct contact email or anything. It, just like on eBay, for instance, if you're a high-volume seller, you'll have like a special rep you can talk to and work through issues with. Kickstarter doesn't have that as far as I'm aware. Luke is over all board games, I guess, for the for that segment. And uh, I think he's pretty uh, he's pretty good at kind of keeping, keeping the pulse of the industry and see what's going on. And if anybody has anything, he saw the post. I believe somebody probably tagged him on it. And so he reached out to me. Oh, that so was nice. Even, yeah, so I don't. I didn't have uh, direct contact with him. I don't. I didn't have his email or anything. But um, he certainly was good to uh, proactive. Work with me on it. Yeah, he was very proactive about it. So even though I couldn't reach out to him because he keeps his keeps a ear to the rail there, he heard heard things happening and reached out to help us resolve it. So really very is, cordial and kind. That is, and that's and that's the reputation that he's been able to build up because the tabletop. I got it's got a it's exploded, and that's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is. You've been doing this for so long, and you have been in so many different ways of being um, 
involved with different ways of using Kickstarter and the tabletop and gaming. And your com- how old is how old is Mayday Games? We started in 2008, in the fall of 2008. Okay. So it's been uh, yeah, almost eight, uh, over eight years now. Yeah, we're uh, we're coming up on nine. Um, yeah, and you're seeing, I think, the same growth that everybody I'm talking to is seeing, right? Mayday Games is feeling that growth, and as you're out there, you're feeling that uh, that success. Yeah, we're consistently at about 25% a year, most years, uh, growth from year to year. But I think, I'm hoping this year will be actually a little more. We have a couple of bigger projects that could, one good thing is when you're very small revenue, then any big project puts you into a huge revenue situation. You know, your growth could be double pretty right. easily if you're only, if you're doing small, small numbers. Right. And so, that brings up interesting because with Luke's help, you were able to put the project up there, but then mm-hmm. you made that interesting decision. Yeah, uh, we we got the project approved, and uh, it was a, like I mentioned, it was a license deal. So we had to we have certain every contract's different with these licensing deals on what we have to make, where we make it, uh, who's in charge of the final creative uh, decisions, and we had really a contractual obligation that if we if we want to do this game, I needed to pay them twenty thousand dollars as the minimum order. I don't need to get into the unit costs and stuff, but we had to basically shell out twenty grand. 10,000 of that, like two days after the project started, and then 10,000 maybe uh, a week before it ended. We just needed to pay that in advance, and they were going to ship it, and we'd have it out really quickly, which is great because we were finished with the files. But uh, a day and a half after the project launched, I'm faced with I need to either wire these guys $10,000 today, or we need to reassess this project. And all of our prior projects, we, we just basically put a $5,000 goal on them and say, hey, let's run with it. And uh, if it doesn't do at least 5000 we know there's no demand and we're going to cancel it or it wouldn't fund. But if the, even though the project may cost us twenty or thirty or $40,000, we're willing to, to, to fill that gap with our own financing sure. right. and pay it ourselves out of pocket. And a lot of that, too, comes down to when we have to pay it. If we're producing the game ourselves, our factories that I've developed relationships with in China will quite often will produce the game, ship the game, deliver it to me, clear the bill of lading, and let me have the product, and then maybe I pay them in a couple months. So the cash flow is not that big a deal on most projects. This one was a specific thing where I needed to front them the money well in advance of getting any money from Kickstarter or any other other resources uh, and really didn't know, based on the, how the Kickstarter performed in the first 18 hours, it, or no, I'm sorry, it must have been the first 36, first day and a half, it was at like uh, a third of its $5,000 goal. So it was just going really slowly. To put that in perspective, a lot of our projects fund within an hour or two or at least within the first right. day. So it was definitely underperforming from what we expected it to do, especially with Stefan Dorr's uh, name associated with the project and the reviews it had. So we were really leery, and it just got to the point where we had to make this decision. And I said, you know what? It's better just to to end it. Pull the plug, right. So so after a day and a half after this big fight, I said, look, (laughs) these these costs we've developed to develop this game and to go through this kind of hassle to get it up there, that's all a sunk cost. To me, I'm still looking at the next – Six months, I'm going to have a twenty thousand dollar cash flow hit to our company if I decide to move on this game, and the demand is just not there. We have like fifty backers, so it's just a bigger risk than I was willing to take. And it's like you know, we have other games, we have eight other games in the pipe ready to go. We'll probably launch another project here. It's already approved, ready to go. I'm hoping to launch it in the next hour or next couple of days here, but certainly by next week. So it wasn't even so much the game itself as the opportunity cost of putting another game up there this month that I think will perform much better and that we have a better shot at and that we have more, uh, we have a, a much better cash flow outlook on. So, but at the end of the day, it's the when am I going to see some money and how much are we going to get and what's the demand for this game versus how many thousands of copies may I be sitting on for how many years? Right. If 
the demand that I'm seeing on Kickstarter is really the true demand for this game. Yep, and that's a great uh, object lesson that you provided. The blog is excellent. It's uh, under blogs, under your uh, Mayday Games uh, blog section. Uh, if if yeah. my listeners haven't read it, please take a, a, a read. I read it. Very informative. And also a, a cautionary tale that yeah. – that no matter how many times you've been successful, no matter who out there, uh, you need to approach each project, think it through, and then uh, make sure that there aren't any gotchas out there. Seth, this has been great. Uh, thank you very much for helping the, uh, our audience understand a little bit of kind of what you went through to help sure. them avoid maybe going through the same thing. Yeah, and I appreciate the uh, plug for the, the blog there. I, I, we have another one coming out about why we ended the other one, and it goes through a lot of details on just what our reasoning was in a little more depth. So, But yeah, I've, uh, I've really enjoyed being here, and I appreciate all you do for the industry, and uh, thanks for having me on. Thanks, Thanks, Les. I, I appreciate that. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. Our guest has been Seth Hyatt. He is the CEO of Mayday Games. Our to- topic has been, even after a lot of success, sometimes um, you need to be careful with Kickstarter that uh, you follow exactly what they're looking for because even all of us who have been seasoned sometimes can get uh, a little bit of a gotcha out there. And Seth was uh, kind enough to share with us a little bit of what happened to him and how uh, he resolved that and the success and adjustments that he's made moving forward. Thank you for listening. Hopefully you found something interesting and inspiring. I always do. Seth's been a great guest. I look forward to listening to you on your podcast that might be happening out there. Give me a shout out. Let me know and I'll give you a plug on the show. Thanks for listening. Take care.